continue uh, worshiping the Lord and continuing to uh, celebrate this morning. Uh, we're going to show, we have a, a few leaders that are here locally for maybe some uh, familiar faces and some maybe some new faces, but some just some folks that are a part of our, our network of, of Grace Brethren Churches in the Southern California area that are here with us this morning. So uh, Cecil O'Dell, he's actually one of our missionaries that we support uh, to Japan, is here with us this morning. And there's some familiar faces that have been uh, helping us with preaching and different stuff over the uh, months. Uh, uh, Pastor Don Shoemaker is back here. Welcome, Don. And Pastor Richard Todd, of course, is back here as well with us. And so we'll, they'll come up a little later this, uh, this morning as we uh, pray over uh, Pastor Rick and Brenda. Uh, but we have some folks that wanted to be here but couldn't be here this morning. And so they actually sent some greetings to you guys and just some words of encouragement as you start here at the Norwalk Grace Brethren Church as our pastor. And uh, so we have some videos up here. So why don't we just uh, turn our eyes up there this morning? Good morning, Norwalk Grace Brethren Church. I'm Mike Gentis, and I'm from here in Long Beach, California. And I send my greetings to you today for this special occasion for the commissioning of Pastor Rick and Brenda. We're excited for you guys to join the team at Norwalk Grace. It's been my pleasure to walk with the church a little bit over this last few years and really excited that you've received this assignment. I serve as the coordinator for our Grace Churches Network, the 23 or so Grace Churches that are here in Southern California and Arizona. And so we send our blessings and greetings with you today as well. I also serve at the Los Altos Grace Brethren Church here in Long Beach, and I'm with an elder retreat this weekend, and so I can't be there in person, but um, Tim Lansing sent me a message and said, hey, could you send a greeting? And so this is my greeting. Blessings on you and your church family. Really excited for this opportunity to share with you today. God bless you all. Hi, Rick and Brenda. This is Mike Shera, Grace Church of Orange. want to welcome you to Southern California, and as you begin your ministry at Norwalk Grace, let you know that we're praying for you, and I want to give you a challenge, Rick, that as you begin your pastoral ministry here in Southern California, that you focus on the basics, that you focus on praying, trusting God to do what only He can do, and you focus on preaching the Word, preaching the Word and being uh, a, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of God. And also that you spend time with people, that you love people, that you love them and listen to them and meet their needs and and learn with them and, and lead them in the right way to Christ. And I just pray uh, and pray with thanksgiving that God has led you to grace Norwalk and pray that he would give you strength, you and your family, and endurance and joy in ministry and that you would uh, see much fruit as a result of God's working in your lives as he works in you and through you for his glory and others' good. God bless you. Hi, my name is Bob Reed. I'm the senior pastor at Grace Community Church in Seal Beach. Rick, we are so glad that you've come to pastor the Norwalk Church and come to be part of the Southern California District. Welcome. We're glad you're here. I pray that this time of ministry in, at the Norwalk Church would be incredibly fruitful for God's kingdom through you and that we would see many people come to Christ as a result of your ministry. And you'd be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to God's word and that for years to come, we'd be able to celebrate what God's doing through this church. God bless. So, Pastor Rick and Brenda and members of the 
Norwalk Grace Brethren Church, we just wanted to let you know how uh, how grateful we are here at Bellflower Brethren for your church. Um, my name is Pastor Tom, and uh, we're excited to see what God is going to do in and through your church in the coming days. Uh, Pastor Rick, welcome to the Mid-Cities region of uh, Los Angeles County. I remember meeting you about five months ago at a Grace Leaders Network meeting and was impressed then and encouraged both by your presence and by your words. Um, you know, I, I felt your passion that uh, you want to follow Jesus Christ in making disciples and strengthening the church in uh, developing leaders. And I'm convinced probably the best way to do that is to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, to love him radically, and to love people. So please know that our team here at uh, Bellflower Brethren Church is behind you. We're in your corner. We're praying for you, especially on this critical day, a very important watershed day. And we're also uh, looking forward to working with you. Uh, we're look, I'm looking forward to learning from you and uh, your example. Uh, I hope that you and I uh, never forget what Jesus said when he said, they'll know you're my disciples uh, by your love for one another. So may we never forget that we need Jesus and we need each other. And may we always remember that the world needs us to embrace those truths, not just with our theology, not just with our minds, our logic, our reason, but with our hearts, uh, with our hands, with our practice. So grace and peace, hope, joy, love to you. Right. Good guys. Those are all good friends of mine. So uh, glad to hear from them. Wow. Well, good morning to each one of you. I have uh, some really, really good news and some really, really bad news for you this morning. Okay. So um, the bad news is, yes, I'm here again. <laughs> the good news is it's the last time. <laughs> so Rick's, Rick's up next Sunday. So, uh, but seriously, um, I've been really appreciative of all your responses as I've had the joy and privilege of coming alongside and helping and preaching. And, uh, it's been fun and uh, just uh, I'm just grateful. But there are some things that um, the two of you need to know about the difference between Philadelphia and California. Um, you're 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 in for some big surprises. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Has anyone else here ever been to Philadelphia? See, you got, you, got, you got some people that are on this page. So there's things they've never told you about leaving Philadelphia. One, you'll need a calendar to know it's the first day of spring. Okay? We don't do that groundhog thing out here. No, 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 no. Um, And you'll have to explain this to me later, Rick. Good luck finding someone who knows what wood or ice is. Wood or ice. (laughs) Okay, Brenda knows what that's all about. Um, And you need to brace yourself for the impending withdrawal from lunch at Wawa. (laughs) That's true. You know, one of the best sandwiches. Who knew you could get great sandwiches at a gas station, right? Yeah, yeah. My son and his family live a little bit south of you in Virginia, and we do that Wawa thing when we're back there. But that, we don't do Wawa out here either. Um, and 
you're never going to find an authentic Philly cheesesteak. Never. never. Not in California. Now, we have a whole chain of fast food places called, guess what? Philly cheesesteak. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know about this one, but they tell me people will be asking you if you wore a bulletproof, bulletproof vest in high school. You know, um, and you'll be explaining about Scrapple for a long, long time. We don't do Scrapple in California. Oh, okay, you're, you're doing good. Uh, people want to know if you've ever seen the Rocky statue. That'll be high on the list. Um, add hoagies to the list of things you're giving up. Um, and you're going to find this really hard to believe, but in California, we do not put cheese whiz on French fries. No, no, no. So uh, there's, 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 there's going to be some big changes ahead for you, I'm afraid. So, uh, Wow. But welcome. Anyway, <laughs> you can get like a Wawa sandwich FedEx overnight or something. <laughs> It'll be all good. So we want to welcome Rick and Brenda. And I want to share uh, a message for the two of you, as well as kind of a message and a, really a reminder to the congregation from a message I shared with you six Six or seven weeks ago, I told them about the care and feeding of their pastors. So uh, they're kind of geared up, I hope. I don't, do people listen when you talk? They kind of ignore me too, but it, you know, it's all good. But I want to share a portion of God's word as we think about uh, really not the, the culmination of 14 months of a search, as Tim suggested. But this isn't the end. This is the beginning, right? This is very much the beginning, and that's what we celebrate, and, and that's what we're excited about. But there's a passage in Second Timothy chapter four that I want to draw your attention to briefly. Many of us believe that Second uh, Timothy was the last book that Paul wrote toward the end of his life. And Paul is writing to Timothy, this, this young pastor whose life is kind of marked a little bit by t- timidity. He's a little tentative. And so Paul is writing to him to encourage him, to strengthen him, to challenge him, to prop him up a little bit maybe as he uh, is preparing for the fact that Paul's not going to be there in person to uh, to walk with him and then to help him. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read these words. Verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And if you keep reading, you see Paul's anticipation that he's not going to. Not going to be there with Timothy much longer. And so there's, in this passage, there's three big ideas, uh, Rick, that I want to um, kind of focus on for a moment. Uh, the first thing is, is this phrase, preach the word. Uh, you heard Mike Shira uh, refer to that uh, in his... Did you notice the backgrounds, by the way, that the guys chose this morning? I thought that was kind of fascinating. Uh, Mike Gentis is in front of a bunch of cactus. Um, My friend Mike Shearer, of course, is in his office with all those books. That was impressive. And then uh, 
Bob Reed is outside his church building. You know, they all kind of chose. I, I kind of found that fascinating. I'm, I'm going to ask those guys about that. But they talked about preaching the word. And what Paul is saying to us as pastors is to herald the truth of God. There's a difference between a herald and an ambassador. An ambassador, yes, represents the ruler, as does the herald, but the ambassador is empowered to negotiate with foreign powers. The ambassador is in that kind of a role. The herald's job is real simple. Give the people God's message. Make it loud, make it clear. And as Paul describes this, he uses these three words that that I kind of like a lot. Um, He says, in season... Out of season. What does that mean? All the time, right? All the time. Every occasion, every opportunity. Make sure God's word is, is front and center. I remember years ago, almost 50 years ago, um, when I first started in ministry with junior hires, um, one of the things that, that struck me very quickly in those years was that junior hires don't always pay a great deal of attention. And they're not always totally focused and tuned in. My buddy Jacob's different. He's tuned in. He's ready. But one of the things, that, the, one of the conclusions I came to in my ministry with junior hires, and it's followed me all of my life, is that even though I wasn't confident they would remember what I told them, what I taught them, I wasn't confident that a week later they could repeat back my three points in my poem, you know. The one thing I always wanted them to know, is whether I stood in front of them teaching or we were in private conversation or sitting at Pizza Hut having pizza and a Coke, the one thing I always wanted them to know is that when I answered their questions, when I spoke to them, this book was always in my hands. This was the base. So you're never going to find me preaching with an iPad. Not going to ever see me preaching with my iPhone. You're going to always see me with this book in my hands. That's kind of how I roll. And I think that's what, I think that's what Paul's trying to say. Preach the word, in season, out of season. And he uses those words. Uh, what, are the, what are the three big words there? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. It's important to bring conviction. It's important to give information. It's important to give warning. And I've always found help in my life and in my ministry with Paul's words in Second Timothy 3, a chapter earlier, where he says, all Scripture, how many of you know this verse? Second Timothy 3.16, say it with me. All Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be perfect, equipped for every good work. That's what we're privileged to herald. That's what we're privileged to preach. And I love the fact, as I think of that portion of Scripture, that Paul uses those words. It's important for doctrine or teaching. It's important for, for reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness. And you've heard me share this illustration before if you were paying attention several weeks ago. But I use those four words to remind me that as I teach and as I live my life, what's important is doctrine, teaching. And doctrine and teaching tells me the path God wants me to walk on, Right? And what do I need when I get off of the path that God wants me to walk on? I need reproof. Roy, you're off the path. What do I need to get back on the path? Correction. Back on the path. 
And then I need instruction to keep walking on the path. And so Paul's first instruction to you and to me, preach the word. I remember very well, uh, I think I was still late in high school, and I remember uh, sitting on uh, my girlfriend's back porch, now my wife. I was sitting on the back porch and was kind of depressed because I wasn't sure my dream of being a pastor someday was what I ought to be doing. And I remember wrestling with that, sitting there on the back porch, and I remember a passage of Scripture coming to mind. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And the thought that was impressed upon me in that conversation with God, the thought that impressed me was this. There's nothing I could give my life to that impacts people forever. Nothing except one thing. What is it? God's Word. And so Paul says to us as pastors, Rick, Brenda, preach the Word. Um, The second phrase that's here that uh, he talks about is do the work of an evangelist. To be one who is faithfully, diligently proclaiming the gospel. And you know, one of the things that I've discovered about proclaiming the gospel is that those of us that already are kind of in, we've responded to the gospel, we still need to be reminded of the gospel. And so don't be afraid to preach the gospel to a group of people who you think, you know, they've already heard it, they understand it, they've responded. Um, We need to hear the gospel. We need to be reminded of what Jesus did on the cross. We need that. And Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. Um, Lest you listen to that and think that's his job. I have some really, really good news. Well, it might not be great news for all of you. I don't know. But that's all our job, right? And one of the messages that flows through the scriptures is we're in this together. You don't call a pastor and then sit back and say, all right, let's watch what he can do. Get up there and do your thing, man. You know, we're in this together. And we share the ministry together. And the scripture talks to pastors about equipping the saints for the work of ministry. But still, Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Announce the good news. Uh, The third thing that he says here, Rick, that I appreciate a lot is fulfill your ministry. And you'll notice there's three words there. And it says fulfill, literally carry out to the end. Uh, one of the things I found fascinating about that word is it often talks about carrying a burden. <laughs> and uh, he talks about hardship, endure hardship. You know, ministry isn't always easy. It's not always fun. But Paul says fulfill it, carry it out to the end. And you notice the next word says what? Your ministry. You know, one of the challenges that most of us, many of us have as pastors is we have all these models on television and radio and and the big churches. And we want to be a little bit more like Chuck Swindoll or a little bit, you know, be yourself. Fulfill your ministry. That's what matters. That's what matters. And then the third word, of course, is the word ministry, which is uh, the word we oftentimes kind of get the idea of deacons from. The idea of someone who, who stirs up the dust running errands. And do, it's, it's ministry, it's service. And Paul says, fulfill your ministry. 
And so I think of these, these three words when I think of the challenge. Preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Carry it out to the end. And so I thought it might be appropriate, Rick, Brenda. You're not prepared for this because you don't know I'm going to do this. But uh, they're going to get their turn in a few minutes. So it's going to even out in a couple of minutes. But, um, yeah, it's all good. So I'm confident this morning that uh, you've obviously freely chosen to accept the role as pastor and pastors. No one's forced you to do that. No one's paid you off with several million bucks to come and do this, drag you to Southern California. You know, when I went to college in Indiana, I discovered real quick that people thought if you were from California, you're either a hippie, a surfer or a pervert. Seriously, you should go to Indiana in the 60s. It was weird. And so I was really, I was really glad I'd surfed. <laughs> so I want to ask you some questions this morning. Uh, both of you, Rick and Brenda, together, you're a team. And so I don't want to just say Rick, but Rick and Brenda. And if I say Rick, I mean Brenda, right? Okay, so you guys are kind of, you're, you're in this together, trust me. Um, do you affirm your conviction of God's call to serve him and serve the men and women of this church? Yes. Will you commit to faithfully preach the whole counsel of God's inerrant word in season and out without apology, without compromise? Yes. Will you commit to lead this church by being a personal example to this congregation committed to a life of holiness, abstaining from all practices that might jeopardize your witness and spending and being spent for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you commit to lead this congregation by being a personal gospel witness in your own life? Will you commit yourself to loving this congregation by praying fervently for those Christ purchased with his own blood and has now given you to shepherd in this church? Will you do everything in your power to shepherd this flock by protecting them from false teaching and false teachers? Amen. You know, one of the things that strikes me in Paul's admonition to Timothy, he, he talks about uh, what we would call people with itching ears. They, you know, we, we've, we've come to live in a culture that's all about entertainment. Everything is entertainment. And one of the losses personally in my life, I love sports. And sports have degenerated into entertainment. And so much of life, you know, we don't come here on Sunday morning to entertain even though I know I'm wonderfully entertaining, right? Oh, well. Um, but we don't come to entertain. We come to do what? Preach the Word. Paul also has wisdom and counsel for those of us in the, in the congregation. And I shared some of these thoughts with you about six weeks ago, and I want to reiterate. I want you to come with me to 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the people of God in Thessalonica. And in verse 12 and 13, he says this. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And I suggested to you six or seven weeks ago that, that Paul uses a word here that talks about the request that's a personal favor. You see, he's saying to them, will you do a favor for me? 
And he's asking them to do two very, very specific things as he talks to them about the ministry, their pastor. And so I want to suggest to you this morning and really remind you that what he is saying, first of all, is that we need to, to value our pastor, to appreciate, to know him. That word to appreciate in verse 12 is to know those who diligently labor among you. And I suggested to you six or seven weeks ago that one of the losses in a large church is so often people don't really get to know their pastor. And I told you that I talk frequently to people who don't know their pastor. They've never sat and had coffee with their pastor. They've never had lunch with their pastor. And one of the beauties of a, of a church of this size is that you have the opportunity to get to know Rick and Brenda. And more importantly, or at least as importantly as what? They get to know you. That's right. And so I want to encourage you. One of the things that's lost, I think, in our culture today is hospitality. I find very, very infrequently do people invite others into their home for a meal, for coffee, for dessert, whatever. You know, we're more comfortable, it seems, at times going out to eat, going out for coffee. And those are all good. But I want to encourage you, be hospitable. Welcome Rick and Brenda into your home. Invite them out to lunch after church. Take them out to dinner. Go to coffee. Um, get to know your pastor. Get to know his wife. Um, Paul's admonition to appreciate, he's really saying to know them. And notice he talks about they diligently do what? Labor. That word, by the way, Rick, bad news to the point of exhaustion. You've probably discovered by this time that sometimes ministry could be pretty exhausting, right? But we need to appreciate that in the life of our pastor, his, his labor, his leadership. He has charge over you. As Rick comes to be your pastor, as Brenda comes alongside, uh, God is asking him to stand before, to give leadership, to cast vision, to look into the future. Your responsibility is to do what? Follow. Follow. Trust God as, as Rick leads. He talks about not only labor, he stands before you in the Lord, he also gives you instruction. His labor, his leadership, and finally his lessons. Seek to listen. Pay attention to sermons. Take notes. Any note takers in here? You know, you'll, you'll notice I hand out notes. Yeah, I do that for a reason. I'm hoping somebody somewhere will write a note down, right? Um, by the way, taking notes... One of the things I've discovered is the most important thing that happens when you're listening to someone speak, whether it's this setting or any other, isn't what happens between the tip of your pen and the paper. It's what happens between your ears. And I'll be the first to confess that frequently when I'm listening to somebody else preach, I've got God doing something here with a whole other passage of Scripture, a whole other idea. And maybe that's because I'm a little bit ADHD. I don't know what that is thing. But, um, but I find the most important thing that happens when I'm listening to someone speak isn't me keeping, you know, making sure I get every single word in the notes. It's what's happening between my ears. What's God doing here? 
the lessons. That's, that's such an important part of. And Paul goes on and says, and not only that you appreciate, you know, but that you esteem or respect them very highly in love. I was kind of shocked when I uh, discovered that, that those words very highly are the same words that Paul uses in Ephesians 3.20 when he says God is able to do, and then what's it say? Exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we ask or think. And then Paul uses the same word here. To give respect. You know, we live in a culture that it seems in so many ways has forgotten how to respect others. Pastor Don Shoemaker is here, and I'm reminded as I see his face that he's, he's been challenging us. He has a monthly newsletter, and he talks about the value of treating each other in ways that are civil. Civility, being civil to each other. I have friends that are civil engineers, and I always joke with them about, you know, have you ever met any uncivil? But anyway, um, but we need to recapture what it means to give respect. You're not always going to agree with your pastor. Trust me, they won't always agree. Um, you're not always going to agree with decisions that the elders make. But there's opportunity for respect. And out of that respect comes dialogue and conversation and hopefully understanding, right? Paul says we're to respect, to esteem very highly. And what are those next two words? In love. Because of their work. Because of the work that they do. And it's fascinating that Paul finishes this, this paragraph or this portion with these words, live in peace with one another. Live in peace with one another. You know, so many churches struggle with this idea of being at peace. And a lot of times it happens in a time of transition. It happens very easily in a time of transition. One pastor leaves, and for some reason, it just seems there's a little bit of turmoil that takes place in conflict. A new pastor comes a year, year and a half later, and, you know, sometimes we struggle a little bit with this thing of peace. And if you were listening, Pastor Tom Hawking from our church in Bellflower um, talked about, they'll know we're his disciples because of our love for each other. And I, I think that's a, a little bit of what Paul is, is trying to tell us here. Oh, we're running out of time. Let me do this. 1957, First Brethren Church in Sarasota, Florida, finally had raised money for their new building. And they were excited to finally be able to break ground. Now, most churches, when they break ground, they drag out what? Shovels. Well, apparently this was a farming community and the chairman of the building committee decided we're not going to do that shovel thing. We're going to get a one horse plow and we're going to tie that plow to two of our young, strong, husky young men. And they're going to pull that plow. And that's how we're going to break ground for our new building. That sounds kind of cool. I like that. It's different. So the day came and they got their plow and the whole congregation was gathered there in that dirt field. And they strapped the two young guys into harness and they couldn't budge that plow an inch. Be a little embarrassing. All your plans, right? So they thought, well, you know, we'll get the building committee guys. And so they had about a half a dozen men and they got into the harness with those two young dudes and couldn't budge the plow an inch. 
getting more embarrassing. So now, well, hey, got the two young dudes. We got the building committee. How about the deacon board? So they drug the deacons out there, put them in the harness. They pulled, couldn't move the plow. So finally, someone said, how about if all of us try to pull the plow? So the whole entire congregation steps out into the field, grabs onto the rope, and guess what? Pulled the plow, and they broke ground. And the message that I want to encourage you with this morning is, as Rick and Brenda come to lead the Norwalk Grace Brethren Church into the future, we're all in this together. It's not the two young... You're not young dudes anymore. You're not even a dude. But, you know, it's... It's not two people pulling the plow. It's what? We're all in this together. That's, that's what it's all about. We're all in this together as we go forward to the future. Ron, I think you want to come and lead us in our time as we conclude. So let's do that. Right. Well, here's, there's one up here. Nope. I got one. You want this one? Get Tim's mic. He's holding out. Are we good? Okay. Thank you so much, Roy, for, for that. Um, and for all the pastors and, and all of you, the congregation that's been helping us for the last year, praying with us and having unity of the body here, uh, praying for a new pastor. We just want to say thank you. Uh, especially from the pastors that came from other churches to give their time. Um, and I, I'm sorry, Roy, for the one that looked at you the second time and said, you again. He's going to remember that for, for a long time. <laughs> That's why he keeps saying it. But I, I, you may know, but it's hard for you to understand what it's meant to us as a body of Christ. To all you pastors. That have prayed for us, helped us, until God tells you face to face, well done. I'd just like to say thank you for us. We're church family, we're gathered here today for a very solemn occasion, something that doesn't happen very often. In the larger churches, it's been said that um, maybe they move a pastor someplace else and they bring one in, and he's just your pastor. You don't get to know him. You don't, you don't have a say in him. It's not so here. We're a family. And on this, this occasion, uh, we're here today with the prev- privilege of welcoming into our family two new members that we already love dearly. We've been praying for a year, over a year, for God to bless you and this congregation, that your continued attendance here would be a blessing, and that God would send us someone else, a new pastor, a new shepherd that he chose, not us. Uh, First time I seen Miss Rick and Brenda, we went to the dark places together. Under the bridges at the park. First time I heard him preach, there was 14 people came to know the Lord. One of which was deaf. And Miss Brenda led him to the Lord through sign. So I, I, I looked at him and I said, wow, this guy's special. 
And he is special. Today we're here to have a commissioning ceremony. A commission is whenever you entrust a person with, uh, to be a supervisor or with authority over you. So we're going to do that today. In Acts 14, 22, and 23, uh, the Bible says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. So today, Pastor Roy has described the responsibility of a pastor to his congregation. And, and now we're going to go over the responsibility of the congregation to their pastor. But as we do that, I would like you to actually be looking into their eyes. Um, hey. Mr. Rick, Miss Brenda, could you come up here, please? What do you think? Overwhelmed. <laughs> Is California different than... Uh... Oh, wait, totally different. <laughs> Just so you know, I was a surfer, too. Okay. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> My wife appreciates that. Okay. Uh, a pastor is in, in, in Scripture is a lead shepherd. Uh, this is not like a secular position, like if you're CEO of your company or whatever. We're not hiring somebody in a secular capacity. We are bringing aboard in our family somebody who God has chosen. This is spiritual entity. This body of Christ uh, is, is a spiritual entity, and it, and it must be handled and led in the same way. In Acts twenty twenty eight, it says uh, the the pastors are to keep watch. Okay, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherd of the church, which he bought with his own blood. He bought you, the church, with his own blood. And the Holy Spirit of God, understand this, the weight of this, has called you and has called you to minister this part of his church. And we're excited to get that started. Uh, Pastor Roy has described... Their responsibility to you. Now we're going to have, um, uh, whenever there's a, in, in the Old Testament, quite often there's a covenant. You understand covenants. There's two people in a covenant. Uh, if one person does one thing, the other is to reciprocate. So this is part of the covenant. You've heard the first part of that covenant. The second part is you. Your responses. Your responsibility and my responsibility as the body of Christ. There's two parties here to further the gospel. The covenant we are making one with another to be here on Sundays to work, uh, to listen to the, the message, not only listen to the message, but have it change our lives and go out into the world and make disciples. I will, come, I will mention six of our part of the covenant 
to our pastor. And I, I, I want you, when I read the scripture and what it is, I want you to say amen when I call for it. And I want you to be looking out over this. I want this a personal covenant. Don't be looking at me. This is your pastor and, and, your, and his wife. Will you commit, church, to faithfully attend the, the, attend the preaching of God's word in corporate worship and receive the word, not the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God? Do you promise to do that. In Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another and all the more as the day is approaching. Do you, church, if you say that you will uh, promise to do that, say amen, please. Will you faithfully attend and serve, employing your spiritual giftedness here in the work of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And, and the, although the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are baptized all in one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is to do your part. If you promise to do your part with your spiritual giftedness and help us work here and help us expand the kingdom, say amen, please. Amen. Number three, will you commit to love your pastor? I want you to look at them. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it with him. <laughs> Will you promise to, to love your pastor, praying for him rather than complaining about him, honoring him as one who labors in the word for the good of your soul, and recognizing him as the shepherd God himself has given us. In First Thess, or in Hebrews 13, it says, We are to obey our leaders and submit to their authority, for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Rick, Pastor Rick must give an account to each and every one of you in his congregation here. And he's aware of that. And I hope you are too. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. Church, do you promise to love and obey your new pastor? If so, say amen. amen. To strive for the unity of the body. Forsaking gossip, slander, and foolish talk, knowing that the Bible says you will have to give an account for every idle word. In Matthew 12, 36, it says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Do you promise here today... Uh, to, to forsake foolish talk and gossip and, and rumors and don't criticize, go home and say, hey, I didn't like that part today. Do you promise that? Say amen. amen. 
That's a good one, huh? (laughs) Will you commit to sacrificially and courageously seek the salvation of the lost and spread the gospel to all peoples with him? In Acts 1, 7 and 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you promise to go outside of these walls with us, whether it's in the city of Norwalk, make the city of Norwalk a better place, your local schools make them Christ-centered places, whether it's under the bridge, the park, it doesn't matter. Will you promise as a church to incorporate that in your, uh, in your love for your pastors? Say amen if you do. Amen. amen. Okay, now I would like all the pastors that are here today, all the elders to come forward, please. We have these, these wonderful men of God that have given their lives. You, you will see. You will see when heaven comes. I want the elders and the deacons to come up forward, too. You will see. You will see these men in heaven when they stand before the Lord and he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Their lives, they have chosen to step out in their lives to serve the Lord. Not for our benefit, but for yours. And this is what our brother here and our sister here. Look at him. Look at him, my friend. Do you promise to do that? Okay. Okay. That's what he's going to do here. Know that all of Southern California, all the churches here, have been praying even before we knew Rick's name. And now that they know Rick, some of them say, who's he? (laughs) I say, you're going to find out. So what we are going to do now is lay hands on Rick and Brenda. And the Bible tells us not to do that casually. Because when we lay hands and commission somebody, we are participating in their ministry, whether good or evil. So, I would like all of us to lay hands. And I would like three of you to pray, and then I'll finish up, if you will. Lord, what a privilege it is for each one of us to be here today to share in this uh, very special and uh, wonderful occasion. We're grateful that you're a God who answers prayer. We're grateful that you're a God who promises to lead us and to direct us with your eye upon us. And we're grateful that uh, you have led, you've directed, you've answered prayer in bringing Rick and Brenda to this place. And as we have agreed together to support them and pray for them, uh, we just want to commit them to you. With thanksgiving, looking forward to the the things that you're going to accomplish for your glory, for your kingdom in this city and beyond. And so it's with expectation, it's with joy, it's with thanksgiving that uh, we commission Rick and Brenda together into the ministry of the Norwalk Grace Brethren Church and commit them uh, into your hands, confident that you're the one who will empower by your spirit, you will fill and use And uh, that, Lord, as we have agreed together to come alongside, to work together in harness, as we have agreed together to pray and to support and to give and to go, would your hand of blessing rest not only upon Rick and Brenda, but would your hand of blessing uh, rest fully upon this church and its ministries. For your glory, we ask these things.
God, we just want to say thanks so much uh, for your leading in our lives. God, you are the one that, while we are still sinners, you drew us near to you. And while we are still sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And so, God, we stand here as a testimony of, of your grace and your mercy in our lives. And, God, you have brought us uh, Pastor Rick and his wife, Brenda. God, what a blessing it is to be here on this day um, to be able to celebrate. God, we don't follow, of course, man, but we do know that you appoint godly men. Uh, God, to teach faithfully the word of God and to be the example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and and to live that out in our lives. And so, God, we just want to say thanks so much for uh, leading and connecting us. Uh, God, we in our own doing, uh, God would never be able to make this uh, happen today. But God, in, in your sovereignty and in, in your plan uh, for this local body, God, you connected us more than 14 months ago. With Rick and Brenda and God, we didn't know what you were doing before uh, we even had a need here. God, you were already working. And so, God, we just want to say thanks this morning for how you lead in our lives. Thanks for laying it upon Rick and his heart and Brenda and her heart uh, for the desire to uh, to come and to be here and, and to feel that tug and to feel that calling in their lives to Leave family behind, leave friends, longtime friends, leave ministry partners behind because they sense that you were calling them to this place in this time. And so, God, we recognize that today marks uh, just a, uh, a neat day in the life of this church and life of this body. God, you always provide for our needs. God, you always care for us the way that you desire. And so, God, this morning we recognize that we pray your blessing over Pastor Rick and over Brenda. God, we pray that you will work out all the small details still as they uh, find a place to live and uh, God gets settled here. But God, we rejoice in the days ahead for what you're going to do through them as they encourage us, as they challenge us. God, often there will be times even where they need to rebuke us and correct us. But God, we willingly submit to them. God, to Pastor Rick and his leadership. God, we ask that you would give him extreme wisdom discernment, God, as he cares for this local body, as he cares for each, each member, each person that comes through these doors. And so, God, we love you. We are so grateful uh, for what you are doing today and in the near future. God, thanks for going ahead of us. Thanks for already being present in the days to come. God, we pray this in your name. Heavenly Father, you told us before you ascended back into heaven, in your words recorded in Acts 1, to be witnesses for you in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the people here on Foster and Studebaker heard that call uh, with Henry Rimple and Howard Mays and so many men, some with you and some still serving you here. And Lord, uh, here's Rick and Brenda. Uh, the names were changed from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to Philadelphia and beginning today, Norwalk and the uttermost parts. And we pray, Lord, that this move to Norwalk geographically will continue to expand the ministry and touch of their lives, that the people we reach here, the people under the bridge, the people in the park, the people on Foster Road and Studebaker, will be all part of being your witnesses in this city and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we pray. Your anointing on them, on us all as a church. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for Pastor Rick and Brenda, Father God, that you equip them, encourage them, love on them, Father God. But I also pray for the church, Father. I pray for our brothers and sisters, our members, Father, our visitors. Lord, I pray that you you help us to, to, to catch your vision, Father God, for this church, Father. Because ultimately, it is your work that is being done, Father God. And we look and we long for your will, Father God. We want to be heralds of your good news on this corner, Father. Lord, I thank you. Because you've always always been faithful to this church, Father. And you've always provided what this church needs. Sometimes not what the church wants, but always what the church needs, Father God. Lord, I ask that you come alongside each one of us, Father. And help us to see your plan, Father God. Help us to partake, to become part of To become one in spirit and in truth, Father. Lord, it's just, it's not just these two people pulling the plow, Father God. It's not just these, uh, these men of your, your calling, Father God, pulling the plow, Father. It is not just the deacon board, the elder board, and Rick and Brenda pulling this plow, Father God. It is the whole church. But even at that, it's not just the whole church. It is with your power, with your might, and with your blessing that this church is going to move forward for your kingdom, Father. We beg you, Father, that you build your kingdom here and let your glory shine, Father. Let your good news be testified from here, Father. And as we leave and do our other things and during the work work week, Father, we ask that you just continue shining your light through each one of us, Father, so that when we come together on Sundays, it is a celebration of what you've done, Father God. And that we can't keep our, our joy contained, Father. Lord, we await your plan. We await your blessings upon this church. We thank you in your joy. Father in heaven, thank you for being here. We're constantly astonished at how you do things, Father. We've been praying fervently for over a year that you would choose someone. You know people's hearts. We don't. You know what people's giftedness are. We don't. But you do, and you've chosen faithfully. You've been faithful to us. For the elders and the member of the church and the deacons. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for sending this lovely couple to us. We pray that we will not abuse them in any way, Father. But there will be a blessing for them. 
We pray that you will anoint them, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us a new Pentecost, Father, right here on this corner. Know that we love you, Father God. Know that we love you, Jesus God. Know that we love you, Holy Spirit God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 A couple words, maybe? Yeah. Don't pick me up. Oh. My heart is overwhelmed. And I want you to know why. I'm going to share my heart next Sunday. Um, God has really been preparing my heart for what I should say to you. Um, so I'm going to reserve that for next Sunday. But I want, I want to tell you why my heart is overwhelmed. Because for a very long time, it's been over 25 years that God did a wonderful thing in my heart. I used to be a violent man, but God so broke me when he confronted me with the cross and I saw my need for him. My heart has been shaped to serve for a very, very, very long time. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. My heart is conditioned. I understand what service is. I understand what devotion is. I understand what commitment is. It's my language. It's the language that I most understand. I want to serve you. I don't want to be served by you. I want to serve you. And... and. I'm just so overwhelmed with God's assignment upon our lives. That's why we're here. God has transitioned us to serve this body of believers. And I'm so ready for that. I'm in love. Have you ever been truly loved? Been truly in love with something? With a job? With a task? With an assignment? How many know what that is like? I'm in love with this assignment. That my heart, my heart is so overwhelmed. This is not a job. This is not a job. This is an assignment by God. I don't know anything else. I don't want to know anything else. I've been so devoted to ministry for nearly 30 years now. Some of you are probably new. This is the first time you see me. You think, well, that guy's really young. My wife are pushing 50 years old. My wife and I. We are older than we look. 
I have, we have four children, the oldest of which is 30, and we have five granddaughters. And we've been committed to serving Jesus Christ with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. It's all I know. So you forgive me if, if I'm not too committed to this, to, to any other world view. I just don't, I, I'm, I, I know about them, but they don't control me. I, I, I serve Christ and Christ alone. Thank you for allowing me to share. I, I really don't want to let this thing go. I know I, I know I have to. He's a real pastor then. Okay, we're, we're going to be dismissed now. And upstairs we're having threefold communion. If you are a born-again believer, then we would uh, ask you to join us. Just real quick, I just want to say thanks, and maybe we can just honor them uh, with a round of applause. I just want to say thanks to Pastor Roy, to Pastor Richard, to Pastor Don, just for their... Yeah. These men, along with many other, have been constantly praying for us, uh, teaching us the word, faithful to God's word. And so we just want to say thanks to each of you guys uh, for the role that you've played in helping us through these last 14 months. Uh, it's been an honor to uh, walk this journey with you guys. So thank you. Join us upstairs for communion. Why don't you come up as well and uh, introduce yourself to Pastor Rick and Brenda?